and we are all full of light, right? We're full of the Holy Spirit, and we can give light to everybody. That's awesome. Okay. Our message reading for today is simply two verses from 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithany, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Who would think that I could talk for two hours about two little verses in the Bible? It could probably easily be done. There's a lot of stuff there in those two verses. First thing I want to talk about is Peter. You know, he's not just merely an apostle, but he was basically the leader of the group. Peter was uh, an influential person. He was considered the author by many of the first Christians. You know, the thing about it is, is that when uh, they receive a letter from Peter, they'd be all, we got a letter from Peter, yay! You know, they'd be all excited that they got this letter from Peter, and so someone would get the letter and read it so everybody can read it. Peter was very influential. You know, it's also interesting that Peter's name is mentioned in the Gospels more than anybody else except for Jesus. But you didn't know that. No one speaks in the Gospels as often as Peter does. And Jesus spoke more to Peter than he did any other individual. Jesus rebuked Peter more than any other disciple, and Peter was the only one who dared to rebuke Jesus. Peter confessed Jesus more boldly and accurately than any other disciple, and Peter denied Jesus more forcefully and publicly than any other disciple. Jesus praised Peter more than any other disciple. And Jesus addressed Peter as Satan alone among the disciples. There's a lot of things that are going on with Peter. So when they get a message from Peter, you can see that they are excited. They're looking for some good news. Because you see, we're talking about strangers in a foreign land. Now the words strangers and aliens both mean foreigners or ones who belong to a different country. The Bible says that those who are God's faithful people are residents of another country. And we know what that is, right? It's not earth. It's heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands, it's built by God. Yesterday I had the privilege of live streaming a funeral service and the pastor was talking about this one person who was living in a one-bedroom apartment. And somebody would go to his apartment and they'd look in his apartment and it was just bare. Nothing on the walls, no decorations, nothing. 
And so they asked him, why? You don't have anything here. Why, why don't you have something here? And the guy says, I'm just a visitor here. I'm just passing through. I won't be here that long. My home is not here. I'll have all my decorations and stuff in my eternal home where I'm going to be. And as, as he went on talking, he says, the person that just died was just basically passing through. We're all visitors just passing through this planet. And there's a place for us yet to come. Now, the thing about this world is that it's either going to control us or be mastered by us. Now, the fast track of becoming an enemy of God is to become friends with this world. James 4.4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that your friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And I kept thinking about that, too. Sometimes we get ourselves in a situation where we try to please people. We want everybody to like us. And yet, there's only one person that we have to be concerned about, and that is God. All the other people here, if they like me or don't like me, it's not for me to be concerned about. My concern is make sure I do the best that I can in the jobs that I have and to the glory of God. Because our citizenship is not here. Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. As far as this planet goes, consider yourselves just a visitor, strangers in the world. Now, in our reading for today, we have strangers that are scattered throughout Many uh, countries, today's call, uh, common day name is Turkey. So this area is actually Turkey where they're at now. They were scattered about strangers in the world. And that's what Peter knew about them. And so he would send something. He would send a letter to them to encourage them. And there's two interesting words that are talked about here. Two tiny little words. An apostle, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect. Okay, just to be clear here. We're all strangers in this world, but not all strangers in this world are God's elect. The word elect is used some 17 times throughout scriptures. The original language its root word can be translated as elect, as chosen, as chosen one, select, or some other variation. The first four uses of the word elect in the Bible can be found in the book of Isaiah. We see from the content of these verses that there are several different people being referred to as God's elect. Isaiah 42.1 says, God's elect is Jesus Christ. It's the first mention in the Bible about God's elect, Jesus Christ. 
Isaiah 45, 1 then goes on and says, God's elect are the people of Israel. Isaiah 65, 9 says, God's elect are people that inherit God's mountains or land. And Isaiah 65, 22 says, God's elect are those who inherit the new heavens and the new earth. The word elect is also used in reference in the New Testament as well. Talks about the elect, talks about the chosen ones. Peter is talking about God's elect, but there's more to it. It states, if we read further, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now who chose them? It was the Father who chose these people. In Romans 8, 28 through 30, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called and whom he called, and also justified, on whom he justified, and them he also glorified. Predestined, justified, glorified, all works together for us. These verses tell us that God is working all things out according to those who love him, and we all love him dearly. So we should. The question of those who love God can be found in 1 John 5, 1 through 5. He says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ who is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God, carrying out his commands. In fact, this love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that we have overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the ones who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So as long as we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we love him, we're good to a certain degree. Because we have to really be at it every time. Because there are forces in this world that are trying to do this to us. Fill our hearts with sin. Put uh, something in the flashlight that will not work. There are people doing that all around us. And we have to overcome that. Jesus is our Lord. We talk about the elect. Up to this point, we have learned that God's elect have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and that we have strangers in this world. In the midst of all that, now, we have scattering that is being done. Of course, we can reference Matthew 13 where he tells about the parable of the weeds where the farmer goes out and sows the good seed in the field and 
in the middle of the night, someone comes along and sows weeds in the field, the ultimate outcome is that both have to grow together. You cannot separate the bad from the good, otherwise you may uproot the good as well. But at the end will come judgment day, when then the good and the bad will be separated. In our short reading for today, we read about God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout all these different countries. Here we have the strangers in the world being scattered throughout what was called today's Turkey. Peter is writing to this group of believers to encourage them. This is because the believers Peter was writing to, they were experiencing a hostile life in the Roman Empire. They were being persecuted because of their belief in Jesus Christ, both by the Roman government and by the Jewish religious leaders, and of course by society itself. They are scattered among the five Roman provinces, probably seeking to try to hide for safety from Nero, who was burning Christians at the stake and having their lands confiscated. So you can imagine, when these people were receiving this letter from Peter, it was a sense of needing encouragement and love and, and hope. Peter seeks to encourage them, sharing them about God and how special they are, calling them elect. You have been chosen. Do not fear. And of course we have the sanctifying work then of the Holy Spirit. That is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into our soul. The Spirit sanctifies us and makes us holy. It is the Spirit, the power, if you may say, that is working inside each one of us. When you have the Spirit inside of us, it gives us light and encouragement and hope. When our hearts are filled with sin, it does nothing. And we run into trouble. The sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit is at work within our hearts. The paradox is that the Holy Spirit has given us the message of God, and we must believe the message. But the power comes to believe from the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19 says, I pray that out of this glorious riches, May he strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. How wide and deep and high and deep, wonderful. It just doesn't really describe the love of God because it's so immense, so large. And the Holy Spirit is there to strengthen us, inside of us, each one of us. Philippians 2 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, 
Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. The power of the Holy Spirit. It's that work inside your hearts. Seeks to carry out God's will. All of these exiles that are in these different countries, strangers in a foreign land, Peter is writing to them, telling them that the Holy Spirit has made them holy, has sanctified them, and given them strength for the journey. The journey of their life is, as delicate human beings will be ripped apart at death, but only it will be put back together in the life that is yet to come. Jesus is the light of the world. And we are to also be that light on a hill for people to see. John the Baptist mentions that the one coming after him will baptize with water and with fire and with the Spirit. Why fire? What does fire do? Actually, if you think about it, fire is a purifier. When fire burns off the brush, new life comes back really strong and forcefully. Comes back stronger than ever. And at the end of time, when fire will ultimately devour this planet, it'll be purified. And there will be new life and a new heaven and a new earth and everything will be made holy once again. All of this is made possible through Jesus Christ by the sprinkling of his blood. Now, Peter's Jewish audience would have understood that immediately about the sprinkling of his blood. See, under the Old Testament law, the blood of an animal sacrifice was required for the forgiveness of sins and for showing that we belong to God. In Exodus 24.8, if you listen to these words and remember the words of institution that Jesus said, it sounds very familiar. Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all of these words. It happened back in Moses' time when he sprinkled the blood upon Aaron and upon his family and upon their garments so they could be hallowed and consecrated. And Jesus did that for us as well by his blood flowing out of him for us. Shedding of his blood made it possible for us to be cleaned and to be made holy. All of this means that we need to be obedient to God and to love him. Now the Oxford English Dictionary defines the word obedience as the action of practice or of obeying. You have to obey. You have to obey what Jesus Christ has given to us. You know, his commands are not that difficult to follow. I don't know why some people think the commandments seem to be out of date. Well, they're simply not out of date. They're in tune with the time. It's just that people are choosing to go the other way. They'd rather have this in their flashlight than the power of God 
in their flashlights, in their hearts, and in their minds. Some people might confess that, hey, they are doing good. They are obeying God. But in reality, they're not. Matthew 7 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. They thought they were obeying God. But as a result, they were doing things on their own self-satisfaction. An interesting note is that C.S. Lewis had written in his book, Mere Christianity, about doing good. Here's an interesting concept that what is filling in our hearts and our minds and our conscience and what's filling it, it can be, result in maybe what's not good for us. He wrote, as long as we are thinking that way, that is about doing good, one or the other of two results is likely to follow. Either we will give up trying to be good or else we become unhappy indeed. For make no mistake, if you are really trying to meet all the demands made on your natural self, it will not have enough left over to live, which is being starved and hampered, our consciousness, your natural self. And it will get angrier and angry because you're trying to satisfy something over here and you can't. You're trying to live for others. And you shouldn't. Always remember, it's not about making yourself happy. It's about what you can do to help other people, being satisfied to help them out who need. Peter was writing to people, trying to encourage them. We need to encourage people as well in this world that we live in today, this COVID dread world that we're living. I've seen in the department report that our COVID cases have doubled in the last week from 7,000 to 14,000 active cases in the state. And people are becoming terrified. And people are wondering what to do. And they're all worried about themselves, not about the glory of God. In the final sentence today, it reads, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter brought a greeting that has become more common among the Christians, combining elements from the Greek culture, which is grace, and the Jewish culture, which is peace. Brought both cultures together. Grace and peace are found in the greeting of many of Paul's epistles. And it's no accident that grace always proceeds peace. You see, for grace is the fountain of which peace is the stream. When we know the grace of God, we have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Grace is God's free, unmerited favor towards man. And peace is the result of those who respond to his grace. Our hearts are kept in peace as we realize the favor, the grace that God has given us. I say grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The greeting of grace and peace bears the poetry of redemption. The regular Greek meaning from rejoice. Grace means rejoice. Peace is shalom. Paul combines the two together. Replaces rejoice with chorus or grace. Grace and peace. And that's what Peter was telling the exiles, the two chosen ones, that grace and peace is for them as well. And of course, in these two little scripture readings that we have for today, is an important element that puts our God in perspective. They say, well, where does it say in the Bible that we have a triune God? Right here. Peter talks about how each person of the triune God involved in their salvation, God the Father elects them The Son dies for them and sprinkles His blood on them, and the Holy Spirit sanctifies them to make them holy. Believers are special among the people in the world in which we are visiting. We are visitors indeed. And it's so great that we have this opportunity to to be a light to shine for people. Sometimes we kind of go through the course of a week and we're kind of in a strange land, it seems like, in the world out there. And then when we come to church, it comes back to something that seems more homey, more wonderful, more at peace. And we come here and we feel relieved and reminded that God loves us. The Father who has chosen us, the Son who gave his life to it for us, and the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us. And he gives us grace and peace. In 1 Peter we read, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen.